Hey, you're listening to episode 12 of the Behavior Change Marketing Bootcamp podcast. My name is Ruth Dale, and today's special guest is Louise Ward, one of the founders of the Behavioral Science Club. This episode was recorded just before Nudge Stop 2021, so stay tuned and enjoy. You're listening to the Behavior Change Marketing Bootcamp podcast for people passionate about making a positive change. We believe understanding your audience is the key to maximum impact, and behavioral science takes this to a whole new level. Join your host, Ruth Dale, and expert guests to explore biases, beliefs, why we do what we do, and why we don't do what we said we would do. Hey, a quick question for you before the episode starts. Do you want to uplevel your communications with the must-have behavioral science skills for 2021? If that's a yes, then come and join the hundreds of professionals that have already been through bootcamp. The next date is October the 19th, 2021. And we have got an awesome, incredible, amazing bonus for you. So I'm going to leave you hanging and check it out at www.socialinsightmarketing.co.uk. Can I please welcome to the Behaviour Change Marketing Bootcamp podcast, Louise Ward. Louise Ward is the founder of Behavioural Science Book Club, which was founded a year ago almost to the day after Nudge Stock. And for everyone who hasn't heard of Nudge Stock, it is the world's biggest festival of BS and creativity. So in other words, a huge online festival of behavioural science and book club. And Louise and I met virtually in a LinkedIn chat during the first online nudge stock as Louise was chatting about books. And if there's one thing that is really brilliant about behavioral science is the explosion of authors and books for everyone to read. And there was quite a few people saying, oh, what was that book? And who's read this? And tell me that. And um, it was really hard to keep up with it all. But then thankfully, there was Louise who actually saw an opportunity and was creative and organized enough to capture this moment and to capture a real audience need in the making. So Louise had an amazing year and I'll pass over to Louise now to introduce herself a little bit and introduce her co-founders and just to say a little bit about the birth of the book club. So welcome Louise. Thank you very much Ruth and thank you so much for asking me along to talk with you about this subject which as you know I'm very passionate about. As you say yes a year ago now we signed in along with thousands and thousands of other people to the Nudgestock Behavioural Science Festival online uh, hosted by Ogilvy and little did I know how it was going to change my life. I've always been an avid reader and as I started listening to these speakers at the event, I thought to myself, oh my God, that book sounds interesting. I better just, and I'm a total listaholic as well. I thought I better just write down what that book is. And then I was adding a second and then I was adding a third. And then I thought, oh, some people in LinkedIn are probably watching this at the same time and they might be interested in knowing who the speakers are in their books. So I opened up a post alongside in LinkedIn and said, keeping a list of the speakers of Nudgestock and their books, I'll add a comment each time a new speaker comes along. And so at the end of the day, after the fantastic 12 hours of Nudgestock, and maybe the day after, there were already about 6,000 views of this post. And I thought, oh my God, that's mad. All these people as interested as I am in 
all of these books and this subject, which I knew very little about at the time. It was Ogilvy that had caught my eye because I was brought up in a house, in an advertising house, I always call it. My father worked in advertising and I'd always been really interested in the subject. And so it was just a lucky opportunity that, as you say, there was the chat going on. There was great chat all alongside. And you saw my name there. I saw yours. But also Prakash Sharma saw my name and saw all of this conversation about a book club. And he'd, he's told me that... Prior to that, he'd been thinking to himself, oh, you know, will I do a podcast or will maybe a a YouTube channel? And seeing that there was this interest in the book club, he got in touch with me the next day and said, oh, I've actually opened a group in LinkedIn. And I was like, oh, that's great. So we met in, yeah, we met in LinkedIn in this way with another person who was also interested at this early stage called Tony Navarra in the States. And the three of us chatted about and decided that we thought this was something that could possibly work. Prakash came back to me and said, would you mind being admin on the page, which suited me absolutely fine. There's nothing I like better than organizing and bossing people around. So that came quite naturally to me. And I think we had one particular event that Tony won't quite admit how instrumental it was, but he suggested to us that the first book we should choose for Behavioural Science Club should be Rory Sutherland's Alchemy. And Rory, of course, is the vice chair at Ogilvy. And I don't think I realised how instrumental this was going to be, but we chose this book from somebody, an author that loads of people knew within the industry, obviously. He's hugely influential in the industry. And then I did something which, again, with hindsight, you think, oh, God, what was I thinking? But I sent a random email to the PR department in Ogilvy, and I said, oh, you might be interested to know, uh, full of our self-importance, you might be interested to know that we've started a book club in LinkedIn and our first book we've chosen is going to be Alchemy by Rory Sutherland, your vice chair. And literally within a a few hours, he'd come back to us and he'd replied himself and said, oh, that's fantastic. I'm really flattered. And he recorded a small video for us and he joined us for our very first Q&A. So that was hugely instrumental in getting us off the ground because people saw that Rory Sutherland was joining us and presumably we must be something, which of course we weren't. We were yeah. just finding our way. I know. And Louise, that's so fantastic. You're almost like a fringe festival of Nudge Stock itself. Having that link from the actual event to Rory launching for you. That's incredible. I'm just thinking as you were talking, which behavioural biases we're taking advantage of then. But amazing. And you've got to take a step forward, haven't you? A leap of faith and fantastic to actually just go out and reach out to perhaps people you think are perhaps not, you know, unreachable because they're so important. He's probably the most respected professional in marketing. Um, So kudos to you all. Um, It's grown and grown since then. Yes, and we were lucky in that we quickly decided that as a result of the LinkedIn post, we had a structure very early on for the group. So being able to say 
reading the books or the speakers of Nudgestock really gave it a structure and gave it an interest. So that was really all we planned to do to start with. We were going to read one of the books each month and we knew that would keep us going for a good while. But very quickly, we realized that there were other people we wanted to speak to. And then you'd see new books have been published that looked really interesting. And so within a matter of a few weeks, we'd already gone to meeting weekly and having either a new book each week or somebody who we felt was influential in the area of behavioral science. But to start with, it was predominantly books. Yeah. So, yeah, and it's just gone from strength to strength. And so the format of the show, people come on and talk about their books, share the background and the story. Is that right? That's right. So we'd approach people, approach authors and say that we think that our members would be interested in their book. Or as I said, it could be somebody who's influential in the field. Like we had Pete on recently from Pete's Bits YouTube oh, yes, channel. Fantastic. So, uh, you know, as long as there's something to contribute into the area and then We'd invite them on. It's always extremely casual. We're not sophisticated at all. As you know, Ruth, you've joined us. We're all just yeah, a big old screen on, on <laughs> Zoom. And we like to see everybody who's joined us, which is why we keep it to the traditional tile panel of all the faces. And the format that we're following, which seems to be most successful, is just I will have read the book. So I'll have a chat with the author and try to do my best in just sort of 10 minutes to draw out what is the main gist of the theme of the book, because we can't presume that any of our members have already read it. And then Prakash will have a chat with the author. And whereas I'm usually sort of a little bit of the teacherly approach because I've read the book. <laughs> my have done the homework. <laughs> yeah, I've done the homework. Prakash is very creative and brings his own insights from working in behavioral science to then ask usually much more interesting questions than the ones that I put to the author. And then the thing that we think members like best is that we try our best for the second. It's only ever an hour. It is Saturday, so everybody's coming in their own spare time. For the second half hour, we try to always open it up to the members. And I think that's what people like. They love the idea that they can sign in and it might be that they can put their question to I mean, we'd cast Sunstein on the other day. As I said, we've had Rory Sutherland, Patrick Fagan, all of the main authors in the area. So I, I think that's what people particularly like. They can hop into the call and it's quite likely if they ask a question early on enough, they can put it to the author themselves. And you, yes, because it's very much a global audience, isn't it? And an audience ranging from, you know, new academics to people who have been in the industry 20 odd years. It's a really, for me, I feel like it's a bridge between people learning about it and applying it all in their different spheres. And, and it's wonderful the way Prakash always says, this is your club. This is the club chance for you to meet other people and chat and hear, you know, different, just different perspectives. And to have that accessibility to, you know, to people is just brilliant, isn't it? You just, that's something that I don't think anyone else offers at all. That's right. As you say, Ruth, it's a very diverse group. We've got academics, we've got people who've worked in the industry for a long time, but also at the same time, we've got students 
who are studying behavioral science or the social sciences or marketing and then we've got people who call themselves behavioral science enthusiasts so it's very diverse in terms of the range but what we particularly notice is that when authors join us they realize that our members have a certain amount of knowledge as opposed to joining a more general conversation with people so that makes a difference often to the direction it goes in and as you say it's very diverse in terms of geography in that we've got members all over the world it's truly a global group and because of my co-host Prakash being in India it draws a wide audience from the Indian cohort as well so we have members from all over the world join us every Saturday yeah that is absolutely wonderful I love it when you see everyone's names pop up on screen I have to say I do join but like you say it's Saturday afternoon and with two young children (laughs) sometimes I'm just simply checking that audio is off and the visuals are off just in case anyone sees the chaos that's ensuing behind. But I love it because for me, it's a bit of me time. I can really just enjoy the subject, learn something new and meet other people. Like you say, you can just be really enthusiastic. I think the shared characteristic amongst everyone is a real passion for the subject. And that really comes through, even though it's online, you can still really feel that. That's um, right, yes. And and you were saying, Ruth, about this bridge from academic through to the industry. And that's definitely something that we've all talked about and both myself and Prakash are aware of in that there's the academic approach and, you know, the most of our members would be familiar with the book Thinking Fast and Slow. Uh, it is a bestseller, so it's not as if it's just especially for the field of behavioural science, behavioural economics, but that is the academic approach. And it's not the same as that when you're practising behavioural science in industry. So that absolutely is a way that the conversation often develops, which is that the author will be there. And then we get these fantastic questions from members who are using behavioural science in their company, and they can think of a real on the ground situation and be able to say to the author oh well this is where I work and this is what we're trying to do and what would you say to this so in those situations you get some really great responses yeah though thanks because you said earlier about the joy of the club is that everyone can communicate Everyone can contribute a comment. It doesn't matter, you know, whether you studied your master's in behavioral science or whether you're in marketing for 20 years and seeking to apply kind of a lot of the behavioral biases in your, you know, online design. There is a place for everyone in the club and also a voice for everyone. You know, you don't just have to be what we call in marketing the lurker. Everyone says it's relevant. Those are some lovely words I wrote down. They're your words, Louise. But I just, yeah, wanted to pick up on the point, kind of, you're right, there is a gap in academic expectations. And I think those, the application of behavioral science in the workplace, we find it a lot in the training that we deliver, um, our bootcamp training, because it tends to be with really busy marketing and communications professionals that are learning as they're delivering. You know, they have huge expectations on delivery. And of course, they're really seeking to maximise their impact. So they really want to understand the behavioural biases. They really want to know, you know, the best way to use social norming or not use social norming, as it were, 
And as the industry is just exploding, it is really hard to keep pace with the science. You know, there's over 200 behavioral biases. And when I'm delivering training or consulting with clients, I'm always the first to say, I do not know them all. And no one should ever be expected to know all of this. This is a really ongoing learning. You learn as much through the application as you do from reading, you know, the published papers. And I think that's where the club really comes into its own. So, Louise, from the list of authors you've had, because this is like picking your favourite child when you've got children, but try, what is your favourite book so far or kind of author interview? Well, I must admit, I've got a soft spot for Rory Sutherland's Alchemy. It was my introduction to the world of behavioral science and um, I actually had a very pleasant experience with it in as much as I first took it not actually as the book I had the audio book version so it's actually Rory Sutherland and talking in my ears and as I say I was completely green to the subject and I was off sort of walking the dog each day or in the morning going on my morning walks listening to two or three chapters of Rory as I walked along the beach so it was a very pleasant experience. And of course, once you know Rory, anybody listening to this podcast, I really recommend you going to either to YouTube or even just search his name in wherever you listen to your podcast because he's fairly prolific, but he's a very distinctive style of delivery. And once you know his style and you pick up alchemy and read it, you can totally hear his voice as you read it to yourself. So, and it's easy reading, it's funny. So it's one of those books that you think to yourself, well, you're you're learning so much, but at the same time, it's a funny book. So as I say, I have a very strong soft spot for that one for Rory's. Now, another book I'd really recommend is by Jez Groom and April Velikart. I hope I haven't lost my voice for the turn there. Ripple. And Ripple is very similar to the one that you recommended by Richard Chataway in that, again, it's a practical book. So listeners might like that in terms of if you're looking for a book that's giving you practical advice. And another practical book is called Behavioral Economics, and that's by Bree Williams. But in terms, oh, of a, yeah, in terms of a rewarding read, I'm going to suggest Sinan Aral's The Hype Machine. And I'm going to recommend this one because it's one of those books. Sinan Aral is in MIT and he's a specialist in social media. He's been studying it for 20 years. And it's one of those books that when you read it, you're just going, oh, no, I don't believe that. Oh, my God, that's and just it's I, I read it in early January and I straight away said, right, this is going to be my book of the year because oh, wow. it was just so fascinating learning all about, you know, what are the possibilities for social media and as much as we think we're aware of how we are being used by the Googles and the Facebooks, you'll read this and just think, oh my God. <laughs> so it's a real eye opener. So that I would recommend in terms of a, a fascinating read, but okay. the ones that I mentioned before would be the most practical. Oh, well, thank you, Louise. So just to reiterate what you said there, so the hype machine for jaw-dropping, oh, no, they don't do that moments. 
but also brilliant because actually comms, you know, social media is a core channel for so many comms and marketing professionals. In fact, everyone. Though when I started, social media didn't exist. So, <laughs> but I know there is a gap between our understanding of what, how our data is being used and also the kind of explosion in UX design, understanding how we're being manipulated and our habits are being, you know, built without us knowing. Why is my thumb scrolling as I'm talking to Louise? <laughs> and then the other two. So it was Jez who Ripple. Jez Groom and April Velikot. Okay, so I'll pop these in the chat for everyone. Um, so that's Ripple and, of course, Bree Williams um, and her book, Behavioural Economics. Is that the title? Is that Yes, the title it's called Behavioural Economics. And I'm just going to add in another one, which is extremely popular. It isn't new, but Richard Shotton's The Choice Factory is seen as almost the bible for the behavior has the main 25 behavioral biases so in terms of being introduced to the concept of recognizing our biases this is a fantastic book for that type of knowledge yeah it is i have to second that louise that's my baby that is my go-to all the time, all the time. Because you just, I don't believe in holding things in my head. I love books. Keep them up there, go and reference them. Cannot retain all this information. What I think is so nice, though, about the subject is something you touched on earlier, Ruth, which is that, as I was saying to you, at the end of the day, behavioral scientists are only reporting on the behavior of us, of us as people and once you start to learn about the subject what I remember saying to myself early on was oh all these academics are doing is putting a label on something that we do all the time they're just giving it a name it's recognizing it and giving it a name so whilst on the one hand it can seem a little bit intimidating to start with when you say oh there's all these biases and oh god I've got to learn them and but the reality is it's each learning comes quite easily because you can say, oh, yes, I, I do that. I know that I do that. And then you'll get a letter through the post and it'll be something that'll say, oh, most other people have done this. You know, you start to see the language is used in communication. You know, you get the letter reminding you you've got to pay your bill and they'll say 75% of people pay on time you know and they're using social norms and so once you start to recognize it you see that it's all around you and all the behavioral science has done is to put a a name onto these things that people do without realizing likewise when you're learning about behavioral science as people will do in your boot camp and they want to take it back to their company they'll quite often i'm sure say to well we Oh, we're doing that anyway. I didn't realize that that was a technique. You know, persuasion is not a new skill. Persuasion is something that's been in the world of advertising. And it's interesting that you know, in the world of advertising back in the 1960s, there was a huge surge then of bringing psychologists into advertising and into marketing. As you know, Ruth, people have studied the history of advertising. And this was all because then there was this surge in the 60s of recognition of using psychology to persuade. And we almost think of that as a negative thing, advertising, persuading. But really, 
this is what's happening at the moment with behavioral science in the recognition of the value of behavioral science to be sure that you're getting your message across to help people in positive ways, possibly to change behavior. And so you'll see now in posts, people advertising for behavioral science. And these scientists are in every different aspect of industry all around us in insurance, the type of things that we engage with every single day. They'll have a behavioural scientist and they're helping, if nothing more, to deliver a clear message to the consumer. Yeah, and you're right, Louise. So often in the bootcamp sessions, people will say, oh, yeah, no, I do that. I use that. I just didn't know why and perhaps didn't understand the potential and how much they could amplify it. And also, I think it's, if um, professionally, it is really helpful for your confidence to be able to have conversations about why you're doing something, what your motives are. You know, I think that uh, just understanding some of the basics, the core basics, and really, I don't know, it's kind of just an excuse to be really nosy. But marketing has always said, you know, that, you know, understand your audience, understand your customer which is what you did in action when you saw the whole need from Nudge Talk last year. You know, all these people going, oh, what book was that? Oh, what was that? Oh, Louise has got the list. Yeah, (laughs) yes, and there was was another funny thing that happened, Ruth, which, and this was totally um, unplanned, and now Prakash labels it as the scarcity effect. But when we first started the group, I had no idea that it would be so successful. And before we knew it, we had several hundred people. We thought that was fantastic. And when it approached 500, because I felt quite responsible to all of the members in terms of looking after them, I thought, well, how on earth can I manage a group that has this number of people in it? And I had this conversation with Prakash and I said, oh, I think we need to put a cap on it so that we can manage it and properly look after the members. And so I put out this message saying, we're stopping the group at 500 at the moment, but we're possibly going to review it. And of course, as soon as you tell somebody they can't be part of something, they're like, oh my God. And I was getting all these messages saying, well, what can I do to get in the group? And which with hindsight, we look back and really laugh about. But of course, I quickly realized that I didn't need to be necessarily holding the hands of every single person and communicating with them every day. So now we have 3,500 members and that sort of sounds far more impressive than it is because, I mean, you know yourself, LinkedIn groups, lots of people join a group and then don't engage with it. But the reality is that each week we have usually on average about 60 people who join us. And it's a nice number anyway, because you couldn't manage an event, a meeting weekly if thousands of people are joining you anyway. So you don't really want more than that to join you. And uh, yeah, that just works out that works really well. The number works well for us. Yeah, no, I think that's an amazing achievement. And people engage in different ways. You have your podcast as well. So no, we don't, have a, we don't have a podcast, but within, what I find is that people come and tell me, you think people aren't engaging and then people will drop a message to me and I'll think to myself, oh, I don't recognize that name. And when I scroll back, I'll see that it was somebody who maybe joined the group back in, let's say, October or November. And they'll say, oh, I really love signing in to the Behavioral Science Club in LinkedIn and reading the comments. 
And so in their way, even though it's not necessarily a presence that I see, either joining on the Saturday or even commenting, they're still signing in and looking and reading and learning from other people's posts. Or what we have now is a YouTube channel for Behavior oh, Science Club. Yeah, not, okay. not a podcast. And so that means that there's a resource there now to go to the events that we've done in the past and watch back on them. They're actually not thrilling to watch, I'll be absolutely honest with you, because it's not particularly designed <laughs> as a, a, a YouTube event. But it is a way to listen back and hear the conversation. If there's one book in particular or one speaker that you're interested in hearing. Yeah, and I would really recommend, I haven't watched those, but if I'm interested in a sort of past episode in something, YouTube does work well, really well for audio. Stick it on while you're doing the washing up or whatever it is. You know, during the lunch last year, I cleaned my whole lounge. I <laughs> just had it on the background. I couldn't sit still that whole time. I had to keep moving and I find I think better if I'm moving. So, yeah, put it on in the background. Yeah, I agree. YouTube is a fantastic educational resource as well. And I'd use it a lot to research things. There's, I mean, we all know things like the TED Talks. So there's TED Talks there, but any particular author, look them up and they'll be talks either by them or about them. And what I think is fantastic about YouTube is, I mean, there's many a time I thought to myself, well, if you didn't particularly want to physically (laughs) have a degree certificate or a master's certificate, there's the extent of educational resources from, you know, top caliber professors with their recorded lectures on YouTube. And uh, you could almost give yourself a Harvard education just by watching them in their YouTube lectures. It's all there if you want it. Oh, well, thank you so much, Louise. I'm really grateful. You've given us extra time, which is really kind. I realise once I've started chatting to you, I can keep going. But we do have one final question for you. And that is, what makes you your best self? When are you happiest? Well, I think this is a very hard question, Ruth. It's a very good question. But because we don't really properly analyse ourselves, But I would say I'm generally a very happy person anyway. And I'm probably happiest just in my own company. And that doesn't really mean... I'll I'll just be a little bit honest here now. My eldest son, he is very happy in his own company. And it's when I read about people being lonely, it makes me so sad because I think that you know, to have a real need for human connection. We do have a need for human connection. And I think that's why, in a way, this group has been so successful because we've all in the pandemic been on our own and so had to find our own way to reach out and widen our world. And what better way than signing into something on a Saturday and being with a global group of people to talk about a subject. But I'm just very happy in my own company, on the sofa, reading a book with maybe a a YouTube channel of cafe music playing and a cup of coffee and nobody bothering me in my own little world. And I think maybe we've questioned ourselves because we've all been, the whole world has been in a new environment for the last year. And I've surprised myself because I would have said before I was an extremely social person and we went into town every weekend, a huge social circle of people. But obviously I've missed them. But 
uh, we're not all racing back, are we? We're not all racing back to do all those things, our very busy world. And I think it's been a good thing. I think it's been a good thing for us to be on our own and be able to spend this year reflecting on what's important to us. And a very good friend of mine now from the Behavioural Science Club, I'm sure she won't mind me mentioning her name, Jean Riley. And I just met her for the first time this last weekend Uh, and we did a book exchange she's also in Dublin so I've known her for a year online and we actually met on Saturday and she said something very insightful which is I suppose quite a nice way to end this in that she said you know we we think that being independent is a good thing and Jing is originally from China, living in Dublin now. And she said, but really, when it comes down to it, all we want to be is just five minutes around the corner from the people we love. And that's absolutely true. And I think by being not able to travel, it's made a lot of people realise what's important to them. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely, Louise. That really is. Oh, so we'll end on that lovely note and hopefully everyone will grab whatever their choice of drink is and a good book and cuddle up on the sofa with their dog or their cat and a behavioural science book. Every book that Louise recommended I will pop in the show notes. I would really recommend everyone to hop over to LinkedIn and join the club. There's no scarcity in action anymore. It's definitely social norms in action. Um, Come and join over 3,500 other like-minded souls and enjoy a Saturday. Thanks so much again, Louise. And I shall look forward to seeing you, oh gosh, yeah, on Saturday. On Saturday. Thank you so much for having me here, Ruth. And as Ruth says, if you go to LinkedIn and you just search Behavioural Science Club, then you'll select to join and we'll clear your membership. And then you can join us on Saturday to hear our chats. Thanks for listening and don't forget to check out the Autumn Bootcamp on our website www.socialinsightmarketing.co.uk. Check out the new bonus and please do book your place because spaces are limited. Thanks for listening. Did you enjoy this episode? If so, show us some love and leave a review on iTunes. We'll leave you with Ruth's favorite quote from Alice in Wonderland. I knew who I was this morning, but I've changed a few times since then. Got a favorite quote about the magic of change? Tell us over at the Behavior Change Marketing Bootcamp group on LinkedIn. Join us for a Mad Hatter's Tea Party, virtually.